0: Welcome to For the Love of Farming. I'm your host, Tegan Moran. In today's episode, I sit down with Robin and Laura Sage of Redbird Acres, a first-generation, pasture-based, high-welfare livestock farm in Corvallis, Oregon. They founded the farm as former outdoor educators who remain passionate about the environment and its inhabitants, and they consider their farm to be mission-driven. They focus on pastured poultry and pork, and their farming practices take a holistic approach that respects and fosters the health of the land, the animals they care for, and the people who eat their food. Their livestock are raised using high-welfare, low-stress animal husbandry practices and they utilize a pasture-based rotational grazing system. They are animal welfare approved. This episode was recorded on May 27, 2021.
1: Ah. Hey. Hi, thanks for being here today.
2: Yeah, happy to have you.
1: Just to start, who are you? Where are we?
3: Um, so I'm Robin and Laura Sage, and we're here in uh, Palomas in the Willamette Valley against the Coast Range, and uh, we're at Redbird Acres, our, uh, our farm, and we've been, uh, we've been raising animals on pasture here at this place now for about is it four years yep. yeah
1: yeah red
2: bird acres how did that name come to be um sort of based on robin's name is one um
3: mm-hmm. red bird
2: yeah robin red bird um mm-hmm. and then our first enterprise that we started with was broiler chickens and we started with freedom rangers which are the red red broiler So, just kind of a combination of those two things made sense. That's all we had gotten as far as thinking was we're going to do broiler chickens.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Great. How did you come to be on
1: this land? You've been here for four years?
3: Four years now. Yeah, we kind of, well, after about four other years.
2: Something like that. Yeah,
3: farming at other places. um, Leases were up and we needed something kind of bigger and a little better and we knew about this property from friends connected in the area and we just kind of uh, called the lady up knowing that this is something that she's done in the past is like uh, lease to small farmers or young farmers or something and started that conversation with her because the land was sitting fallow before we showed up yeah, yeah.
1: So you're leasing here.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've, we've always leased. So we started our farm on leased land, and then that property sold, so we had to find something else, and we found something, just a temporary stopgap. And people kept mentioning this property that, oh, we know this woman who has a lot of acres and aren't being used, and she's supportive of younger, small farms, yeah. she's part of the Grange. So yeah, we just called, called her finally, because we were like, we don't know where to go. Yeah. It um, out of necessity.
1: Yeah. Right. And how long have you been farming then? So, you mentioned you've been here four years, and then you were working on other sites for a couple of years. When did you first get into this?
2: We started doing it for a living in 2013, um, but that started working for other farms. Mm -hmm. And that's when we moved to Oregon, Um, and we moved here specifically to pursue farming. We were dabbling more and more and just raising food for ourselves while working. Other jobs, non farming yeah. jobs, started raising chickens and, you know, reading about all the younger, newer farms starting up and what they were doing and just getting really excited about it and moved here to pursue that.
3: Yeah. yeah so about two thousand twelve, the winter of twenty twelve. And we worked for a handful of other farms kind of in that area here in Corvallis and Pilomet. And um, like pretty
2: much every livestock operation right in this immediate vicinity yeah. we could work for.
3: Yeah. To get experience and figure things out or, hey, maybe, well, this will be a job that we want to, you know, we'll get hired on and it makes sense or whatever and half of those fell through and some of them just didn't work out how we were thinking and we were like, well, we moved up here to uh, to do this and then we started pretty much 2013 raising chickens um, about 50 a week in processing and trying to sell them fresh at the farmer's market. We did that for like, 26, 20 weeks or something of that first year and just kind of continued on with that and plus ever since.
1: So what do you got going on here now and how did you get to this point? What are you raising on the land?
3: So right now we're mostly, this this year I would say we're mostly focused on pigs, raising pigs, um, on pasture. And so um, we're taking a one year off from our broiler operation, or we're taking this year off at least. We'll see how it pans out. We're probably gonna start again next year. Yeah. But so we have um, a couple boars and about ten sows, and then the associated, you know, growing pigs from that about 125 right now altogether, and then about 100 layers that are kind of just around, helping keep uh, chickens on the field to train new dogs, and um, I guess we have 24 sheep now, mm-hmm. that's a thing, <laughs> um, trying to keep the grass down, integrate better grazing into the, into the field.
1: Then you've got livestock dogs to have, help.
3: Yeah, and we have um, two older ones, and then we just got two new puppies this uh, spring.
1: And how many acres
2: are we
3: managing here?
2: Um, the entire property is right at a hundred and we use I think close to eighty five of it. Yeah. yeah. Great. Although that, that leaves room for leaving fallow areas. So yeah. at any given point in the year we're using not the full acreage. And so it sounds like you started with broilers mm-hmm. and then how
1: did you get to the point of adding pigs and then adding sheep
2: yeah. and making Broilers it- are a really good enterprise. To get into, you know, there's there's lower infrastructure cost. Um, there's just a lot. They're a good introduction to yeah. raising livestock. Um, they're pretty approachable. You could slaughter them yourselves on farm if you have the facility to do so. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, and
3: um, that's what we were used to. That's why we came up here to kind yeah, of. Yeah, like- we
2: worked for a big an operation that was doing like 500 broilers
3: a week so we knew how to do
2: it yeah um, and we had the infrastructure um, The broilers are i don't think they're the most popular profitable mm-hmm. of the enterprises and they're definitely not the most sustainable as far as like sustaining yourself as a farmer they're really hard they're super labor intensive <laughs> uh, they're mentally challenging because broilers are just they're not as fun of an animal to be around as pigs
3: yeah and granted we're i mean we're doing them a little different than most people, having them like completely free range and moving them by hand. We don't use a tractor, um, and we're processing them all of ourselves. And they're definitely the freedom rangers, you know, are more like a lane hen than just like meat out on the pasture. So our management style is not just to have them in houses and drag the houses, but to be moving fencing and and then we'd process them all ourselves every week and be marketing them ourselves. So it was it's a pretty labor-intensive um, yeah, yeah. enterprise for us.
2: And we got into pigs because Robin was working for a farm that was raising pigs on pasture, and just yeah. you really liked interacting with pigs. You enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pigs <laughs> are we, great. <laughs> yeah, they're super fun. They're interactive. They're fun to watch. They're cute. Um, and we ended up in, you know, one of our... We, we here and there go look at land thinking oh maybe we'll get our own place um, and we had taken a trip up to Washington to look at a farm that didn't end up making any sense but she was selling she was selling the farm and selling all of her stock um, and she had she had pigs and they were really cool they're a good mix that we hadn't seen before um, and so we didn't buy her farm but we bought her breeding stock. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> um, so that's how we originally got into it and so we bought her boar and two sows um, and started from there because we were ready to increase the farm, have yeah. more diversity, and
3: yeah, one of the things too on that is like I got really excited. We were gonna like process them all ourselves, which we knew how to do, and we've done for a handful of people beforehand, and then working for those other farms to learn how to take care of pigs. But then the idea of um, It's kind of the same thing with a chicken, and it could be for most animals, but the pig, like, 100% of it is usable, Mm -hmm. um, and we just miss out on that often, so I think that's another reason that we got really excited for it, um, Mm -hmm. to doing that, and it makes sense um, for the land that's here, um, and these pigs that we had, and so, like, a lot of different things, kind of like, like, hey, this is making sense, this is making sense, and we want to add some things to the farm, and...
1: It just seemed to fit.
3: Yeah, the opportunity was there for these pigs. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the sheep, how are they fitting in at this point?
2: They're a really new enterprise. Because we have so much acreage, and the broilers that we're doing is still pretty small scale. We're doing, like, 2,500 a season in the past. So um, we don't mow the field with tractors. So we have a BCS, but that's not going to keep the grass down. So we wanted something to... Put in front of the broiler chickens to keep the grass down mm-hmm. um, for our fence line. So we do them free range, but within electronut paddocks. Yeah, which is hard to manage when your grass gets tall in the spring. Yeah. Um, so they're an experiment. Um, our whole farm is animal welfare approved, um, with the exception of the sheep because we just brought in lambs. We don't have breeding stock yet, so we're we're trying it out. Um, which. I think we like them. Kind of, I think yeah. <laughs> they're super <laughs> challenging. Yeah. Anyone who's raised sheep knows it. But
3: and this part of it, like we kind of like tried to figure out what works best on this property, and I think at this time, like it's been four years here, we kind of understand the how it grows a little bit better. We don't irrigate, and so it's like highly dependable on the seasons and trying to manage the property. And then there was also like figuring out perimeter fencing. And so by this time. Um, here we've kind of um, we understand the pasture a little bit better and understand where the sheep can fit in as part of the uh, management for the year. But you know, we part of the sheep too were something to eat all the grass that grows here and just like mm-hmm. take that energy and turn it into food um, that we could do easily instead of like feeding monogastrics was kind of another uh, thought for us here. Yeah. Because we, yeah, part of the jobs that we worked before, we were working for a sheep farm, and so we have the history of that here. And we just, we're like, I don't know if it makes sense to do it how we want to. And finally, there was all these kind of pieces that came together with some trades for some pork and um, some other farms who we like their sheep and... Um, seem to make sense through time.
1: Yeah, and you gotta try it out and if yeah. it works yeah. great, great. And yeah. You know, if if not, it, not?
2: yeah, depend on how the actual meat sales go once mm-hmm. we start slaughtering them. So that'll really yeah. determine if we wanna do it again, if it's if they're easy to sell or if it's hard to get our customers to who are buying pork to also. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Because like, pork customers may be very different than lamb you know. and yeah, yeah you might are. have to create a new market. Yeah, so. exactly.
2: mm-hmm. so we we'll see. Let's, okay. Once we finish that, then we'll make our decision. I think in the future, if we did them again, I would want to do breeding stocks so they could be incorporated into the animal welfare approved program. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Part of it, too, is, like, there's no infrastructure, like, physical infrastructure on the farm, and and so it's all outdoors in the winter, and we just don't want to get into things. Like, I, for us, I think we just don't want to, like, throw a bunch of sheep out there, and, you know, we'll make do and get through the year. Like, there's things that we, need, we know we need to have them to do the right way and right. just haven't been to that place yet with sheep. Yeah. I think also those customer things uh, is a good point to expand the customer base a little bit and to offer something for people who aren't as excited for pork and chicken, but also, you yeah, have just grazing, you know, there's people who want that.
1: Yeah. Well, and as people get to know your farm more yeah. and think of you as a meat source and then if you have a diversity of options that yeah could be appealing for them. So, what are some of the challenges on the farm right now, or one that's you're working through or problem solving through at the moment?
3: I think our main challenge in general, um, which umbrellas into a lot of the other problems is like lack of capital and owning our property um, to like really give us. You know security and moving towards um these enterprises like the sheep could be we could have a lambing bar and feel better about having um good quality breeding stock out here if we had these infrastructure things um yeah the the owning land and having that security of just saying like this is our property, and um we're gonna move towards this if we want to or move these things around and then. Like, we we talked about how we were here, but really, um, so we farm here, and then we kind of live here in a shack, farm shack type thing. And then our processing facility, where we've been processing at, is at another facility seven, um, a little ways away. And so coordinating all these places, and we're always in between kind of like three separate places, because it's not all on one single farm, um, leads to challenges.
1: Yeah. Time. Money. Resources. Mm-hmm. Bouncing yeah. between the locations.
2: It's hard to really commit to permanence and wanting to put an in infrastructure in a place that you don't own. So, like, right now everything we have is mobile and we don't have anything stationary, really. So we're always, whenever we plant something new, it has to be like, how do we disassemble it? We have to build it so it's bolted together so we can take it apart. It all has to be thought about, of, about moving it, which is just like a hard thing to right. do in your farming, especially because just just even having animals on the land and improving soil and wanting to put in more trees or do any of that sort of stuff like does that it just doesn't make sense right mm-hmm. so there's that whole other level of decision making not just like this is how we want our farm to be let's do it
1: mm-hmm.
2: it adds a whole layer of complexity
1: yeah,
2: yeah.
3: almost like um you know that that general generational wealth that you see in farms if you were to come in at, at second or third generation like we want to put in that stuff that we can see, like, being better and we are doing that with fertility of the soil that is going to continue to get better over 10 to 20, 30 years that we're, like, hoping um, you know, that we'll be able to um, use that and it won't just be off into somewhere else or neglected or mean it worse, like, turned into subdivisions or something.
1: Right. Because yeah. something that's really interesting about this property is literally it, it backs up to the yeah. urban growth yeah. boundary. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we were walking yeah. and th- there's the development at the edge of the property. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, so it's interesting when we hear a landlord talking about retiring and how she's going to retire sometimes we're just like you're sitting on your retirement, you just have to you sell it, that's what you do. I mean... That's what people do. So
1: Yeah.
2: The hard thing. But also, I mean, when you're building a farm from scratch not being multi generational, we don't have the land that we can leverage for equity for getting those large pieces of equipment. We're at the stage where there's we could use some of that. Yeah. So it makes it hard to acquire those big purchases. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So you know, given that and keeping going, you know, where do you go for support? Where do you go for information? Um, where are you finding resu- resources or the support you need at this point?
3: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, we're just, like, keep on trucking along. we got a lot of stuff underneath us right now. Um, and it seems like... I mean, obviously the internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: um so are there particular sites or you know resources um, that you refer to
2: i mean we always have dreams of doing more and more of our own processing mm-hmm. um and there's a few farms scattered throughout the u.s that have like these like operations most of them are multi-generational so that's you know it keeps us like reality in check a little bit um so, we kind of follow what they're doing and what their process was for mm-hmm. acquiring some of that infrastructure and mm-hmm. setting up their farm how we kind of wish we could. Um, so, yeah, we follow a lot of, along with a lot of farms Oliver. all over. Uh, yeah. So and see what they're doing and how we can apply some of those techniques to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Good.
1: Shifting gears a little bit. What are your favorite tools or your favorite? i should say favorite tool Mm -hmm. yeah pick just one laura
2: i'm gonna lump our livestock guardian dogs Mm -hmm. into that i mean feel a little bad calling them a tool but honestly like our farm and our broiler operation couldn't exist without them we got to the point we didn't have them from the get-go um we were gonna quit broilers because we're very committed to doing this fully free range not having them in the tractor style cages um and we were just getting hit too hard by owls at night and
3: Rodents. aerial,
2: uh, yeah, aerial predators. And we decided to get a dog. Is like this is our last, our last resort. So we tried <laughs> yeah. everything else. Which is what I would say as advice: is like if you're getting one of these, make sure you've exhausted all your other options because they are a commitment for training um, mm-hmm. and getting them up to speed. But um, we have two really reliable adult dogs, and they've just. Really transformed our operation and made it feasible.
3: Yeah, I mean, outside of I mean, the layers, and then we haven't even talked about turkeys. But um, oh, right, yeah, we've yeah. oh, yeah. oh, got yeah, turkeys Turkey. too. <laughs> yeah. you know, they're very seasonal, so I forget. Yeah, oh, no, they're, not here. And they're not even here right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just bring a balance to um, the ecosystem that we've kind of created out in here. So that's it's, it's nice to have that, you know. Kind of, yeah, they're a top predator. And they do their job of being a top predator in the ecosystem, which is great.
1: So you're going to second the, the livestock dog. Uh, I'm you're... just
3: like a hype <laughs> crewing the, <laughs> the livestock guard, guarding dog. I don't know. My um, tools are maybe electricity. That's a great tool to have out here. But right,
1: for the fencing.
3: Yeah, I yeah. mean, just like a single line of uh, you know, wire, woven wire there with metal in it um, creates order. Out of things that could <laughs> just be like chaos, and it's kind of amazing. I love that. Um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's, electricity is like so simple and basic, mm-hmm. and so that's. But uh, I think of the scythe. I really like the scythe, and the times I get to use it, like the the my brush one, especially because this property's all just like full of uh, Scotch broom and yeah. blackberry, and there's been so much um, of my time here just uh, out there knocking that back either for, to put up electric lines for um, paddocks but also just like knocking it down when the roses and the blackberries are on and just watching the pigs like munch away on it. Is,
2: oh.
3: It's kind of like triple win for me because you know, well win because I really like watching it all happen but then watching the pigs eat the blackberries and then knowing that I'm going to eat the pork later that the pigs are eating blackberries and we're removing invasive species its just kind of like it's all green
1: yeah i love it i love that and you've you've touched a little bit on you know some of your you know farming philosophy you've touched on the animal welfare and talking about the ecosystem that you've built here and you know really why you want to have animals on pasture but can you speak to you know, what really guides you, like what are the values or beliefs or your farming philosophy that influences how you make decisions and how you run the farm?
2: Yeah, I mean, we got into farming and just like raising our first batch of broilers and we did 25 for ourselves and for some friends before we moved to Oregon was all, was always mission driven based on we weren't finding the meat that we wanted to eat we just weren't happy with what was available so we started we're like we'll raise some chickens ourselves and it just kind of snowballed from there and we've kept that philosophy of like we're doing this because we want to raise the best meat possible under the most ethical and environmentally sound methods um so we didn't we didn't start the farm with like a business plan which that's Slightly to our detriment, because, I mean, <laughs> it is a business, but mm-hmm. being mission-driven was always right. what we were doing, and that has stayed throughout the course.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, creating that good food that, um like, seems compatible um, with the earth, and, um, I don't know, it just, um it's definitely changed I think for me from like when it started where it was like oh we're just like uh, you know we're going to be raising these chickens because the meat industry is so horrible and you know processing facilities don't respect their workers or the people who have to live next to these chicken places Mm -hmm. Um, and like starting to be like alright we're going to change it but you know and then like, realize how just, like, small potatoes you are in the whole thing, and so that's kind of, like, changed a little bit of, like, you know, we're clearly not going to take down Monsanto ourselves, but maybe if we're giving people exposure to some of these things and, like, showing that there's, um, you know, that meat, meat costs more than it should, and there's, like, definitely a difference, and there's reasons why meat costs, what how cheap it is, and um, finding out what some of those reasons are as you go. Right. um, Kind of just, like, keeps driving you um, for me to do it. And then just, um, I mean, one of the big things for me starting off was uh, we kind of used to do guiding work. And when I go on these courses, um, either teaching, like, environmental ed or... um, just going out into the backcountry, and the food that we were eating, it didn't seem to align with, um, you know, the reasons why we were going out there. Uh-huh. We're like, oh, the nature's so beautiful. And we have this, like, we have this idea of, like, leave no trace. And so you're out there and you're leaving no your trace. Well like clearly, you were always leaving trace no matter where we're at. And the, the food is, like, our connection to that trace. And so uh-huh. trying to create that trace that we're leaving and have that food to, uh, to get us to those, like, outdoor areas that, like, really aligns and makes sense um, yeah. with, uh, yeah, those why we want to go out and see, like, the nature and <laughs> how beautiful it is. Right. um Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of half of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Connection. Absolutely. <sighs> so, how do you take care of yourself? so that you can keep doing this, both your mental and your physical self, your overall well-being. Yeah, you know, this is hard work and...
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So one big thing this year is we're actually not doing any broiler chickens. Um, we did broiler chickens for seven years straight, so we're kind of on a broiler sabbatical, um, which is a, a big deal because it's been like our biggest enterprise. As far as until, like, so. uh, yeah, until yeah. pretty recently. Um, yeah. The pigs have kind of surpassed it. But, I mean, it really feels... If we have a lot of animals and still do a lot of work, but just not having the broilers feels like a vacation. Right, so scaling back when you felt yeah.
1: you needed it yeah, was an important definitely. thing to do. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just kind of realizing that we have that control over, like, all of this and also, like, a little bit of that, that privilege to be like... Yeah, maybe it's not working out, and, you know, what we need to do for our mental well-being is to just, like, say no to things and just, like, relax and focus on yourself and be- being able to realize that you can do that, and I think, for me, it's like, been rewarding so you're not, like, hitting yourself over the head and, like, oh, I have to work so hard and this and that, and, like, taking the time to be, like, well, you know, you really... You have all this stuff, and like we don't need it, and we can just like.
2: And getting over that we're like disappointing people that want those roilers, and just being like, that's just how it's gonna be, and not try and think about that too much.
1: Yeah. They'll want them even more when when or if you decide to bring them back. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: But yeah, I mean, just like kind of realizing, I mean, we're still even though we you work so hard or you're out in the sun or, like, people come and tell you that you can get your meat safer at, like, Safeway or the gas station or something at the farmer's market and you're like, well, clearly we know these things. Um, just taking, like, a second or two to, like, realize, like, well, it's pretty good as is, you know. Mm-hmm. People have it worse, but also, like, I mean, we have hard times here, but it's in stride, you know.
2: Yeah, you gotta keep it in perspective, you know, yeah. even on like the hardest farming days, we're still outside somewhere really beautiful and are ultimately in charge of our destinies yeah. right now.
3: Own bosses. Yeah. You know, there's not Ron in accounting coming down on me.
2: <laughs> oh Ron. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We got to choose that. I think as... but I mean
2: You also like to ride your bike. Yeah, I mean you get out and do There's kind of stuff, like too. trying to
3: take those things and try to enjoy those times off. Mm-hmm. That I have, um, mm-hmm. which you know, up into this last year. I mean, even this last year, I haven't we haven't gotten away for like more than two nights at a time, and so like, some of that's just like being aware of the mindset. Like, I, we came out here to farm, and this is like kind of what farming is—every day in and out. And so, yeah, that's what you want to be doing. And who wants to really be like recreating so much? It's like extra recreation. <laughs> you know, not time for that sometimes. Yeah, you got
2: to remind yourself like it's yeah. why we started this in the first place and this is what we wanted to do. So, <laughs> there's a lot of me- there's yeah. some mental gymnastics. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Mental gymnastics. Domest- well,
1: I think, you know, I'm also hearing, you know, just practicing gratitude, you know, like being, you know, coming to that place of being like, okay, this is where we want to be and this is
2: I And mean, in the grand scheme of like- it, I mean, even so, our fireman's been since 2013 that's like pretty new in the grand scheme so mm-hmm, we're still mm-hmm. figuring it out hopefully yeah. in another
3: seven years we won't
2: be as tied to the farm
3: yeah um, so that's yeah it's kind of like it's a process that mental gymnastics I think is a, a good way to explain it because like yeah we're get like oh uh, we're so tied to the farm but also you know this has been the goal that we've wanted to set and you kind of on that same are, same side of things, it's like we were taking down our smoker the other day to rearrange the area where we lease and land the new people who own, who bought the property is like completely redoing everywhere around our space. And we're like thinking about him like, you know, four years ago and only maybe a little longer than that. Like, we did we not know how to raise pigs, but we definitely didn't know how to butcher or kill. You know, it's called and scrape a pig, and then smoke a pig, and make your own bacon. So there's, there's like that. Like times are hard, but also you like, made yourself made it hard for yourself. So, like, <laughs>
1: fun. And that's deeply satisfying, though. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's a yeah. pretty that's so much to have learned and so many skills to have mm-hmm. really honed in on in a fairly short period of time. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if you've been doing it part time. <laughs> You know, on the side of a day job mm-hmm. you know just that you wouldn't necessarily been there well so on that note then yeah. let's think back to Robin and Laura just getting started mm. it, either it could be when you first came to Corvallis or when you first landed on this land um, what would you go back and say to your selves at that point in time
3: I mean, it's all, like, even for me to say now, but, like, <laughs> back then, I would mean, like, shut up, dude. I don't need to hear
2: I do think that there's something to be said for, like, looking to own your own land, if you can. I mean, it goes both ways in that it takes a lot of money to own land, but you can start building equity in your farm faster.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I think
2: just, if we had evaluated that more at that time because right now prices are only going up yeah <laughs> um but at the same time maybe we wouldn't have been able to become as large as fast But it would just it would have been different but I think maybe, maybe trying helpful. to build equity figuring out ways you can build equity in your
3: farm yeah sooner yeah uh, would have been helpful for us I think like some of that um that gratitude like just um uh, they're so, like where we're at now, and so um, don't want things to be too different, you mm-hmm. know, but also, you know, when times would be great to have Robin from 2012 know, like, there's going to be troughs and in rices and maybe, like, take a more with stride or just, like, get ready for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... It's gonna be a little bit of a bumpy ride,
2: but you'll like where uh, you go. things <laughs> you don't even know are gonna go wrong are gonna go wrong, Ooh, and yeah. it actually ends up being, in some ways, good.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
2: you need to experience, like I don't know, like just take the pigs. Like we have a lot of veterinary knowledge now because things have gone wrong, and mm-hmm. now we know how to deal with things better. And yeah, thinking of like. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but thinking of those things as like learning opportunities <laughs> rather than disasters—it kind feel like a disaster at the time, but it'll actually—it's like equity and knowledge, I guess. Absolutely. And looking back, yeah. Um, but in the moment, it can be really hard.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, this interview series, this little series of conversations, is called "For the Love of Farming," and so. Just to end us, this mm-hmm.
3: conversation,
1: what drives you? What keeps you going? What do you love about doing this? Mm.
3: This one kind of touches builds on some of those other ones, maybe the philosophy in some ways and this is like one of those things that have changed for me and I think what drives me a lot today um, and reminds me of like trips in the Grand Canyon especially because Is it like after two or three weeks, like all the water that you drink is from that area? And like after two weeks on the Grand Canyon, you're like, oh, I'm all the Colorado River water, (laughs) Um, and that's like 75 percent of your body. And so for me, like right now, a lot of it is this idea that I'm like literally the field that's out in front of me, or the Willamette Valley. Like this water that we're drinking is from underneath our feet. The peas and the radish and the pumpkin that we're feeding our pigs is like from the Willamette Valley like right around the farm and the pigs are eating the grass and the rose hips and then we're eating so it's like we're like literally eating all this stuff and it's like with ourselves and it's like excellent pork and I just love eating it and um,
2: eating the food that we're
3: making um, and then being able to travel around here um, and finding those spots that make sense and fun bike rides It's like yeah, I mean, right now it's driving me, and especially just like really making super tasty pork.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of twofold. I mean, at the end of the day, I just I really like spending time with animals. I find it really satisfying and fun and kind of the only way you get to interact with just born piglets to mm-hmm. stock dogs to just the full gamut of it I enjoy. Um and then it's also pretty satisfying, I do most of the sales at the farmer's market, so it's really satisfying when you have customers come up to you and tell you, oh, they had the best meal this night or they had people sure. over and impressed everyone and are thankful and appreciative and are enjoying what we're doing. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, there's this like whole network of people that we're providing food for and that it's yeah. like changing their lives for the better. So. That's
3: really satisfying. I'm like, oh, there's. That, that's also why we're doing this. Yeah, we need more of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. And as one of those customers and someone who's yeah. been enjoying your me, I am so grateful for the work that you do. And, you know, to. able to have the privilege to be here and actually see how you're managing the land and you know see the blackberries that were once there being beaten back by your animal rotation and so thank you so much for keeping going for keeping doing this and for sharing with us today really appreciate it thank you both